Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Lance Hahn, the Senior Pastor of Bridgeway, and today I welcome a first-time guest to the show, Josh Oot, our Connections and Communications Director. Today we will be discussing the unique nature of the holiday season and the challenges and blessings that come with it. Specifically, we will talk about connecting friendships, loneliness, refocusing on Christ, and creating space for belonging. We'll discuss all these subjects and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, welcome to Engaging Culture. I'm your host today, Pastor Lance Hahn. Pastor Brian is out this week, but he will be joining us again very soon. I'm joined today by Josh Oot, our Connections and Communications Director here at Bridgeway, and he's been with us on staff for the last three months. Hi, Josh, and welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Good job. I love how you just came in there with a very simple hi. That was, even though I wrote that on your sheet. Yes. Isn't that nice? Okay. Mark so here's, here's the deal. You've never been on this program before. And right. so I'm going to ask you questions as if you're new to me. You're not new to me. You're on staff with me and you're my friend. So anyway, it's going to sound really formal. Sorry about that. Um, all right. So here's the deal. I mentioned your fancy title at Bridgeway, but what do you really do around here? <laughs> I, I'm almost asking this because I wrote it, and partly I'm asking because maybe I don't really know, right? So what's a Connections and Communications Director? So Connections and Communications, my primary job is to get people from the outside of the church family into the church family. Um, that's, that's Is that evangelism? What do you mean? Like outside non-Christian to Christian? What do you mean? Sure. No, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> no, but honestly, it's, it's a little bit of all of it. It's a, um, it's the idea that, um, people are part of our Bridgeway family and, that, and we want them to join us here. We want them to be on campus to make connections and build relationships with one another. And we do that through communications to let people know what it is we're doing. People right. outside, um, evangelism happens in communication, yep. a major part of evangelism evangelism is inviting people into your church family. Um, And that constant invitation is a huge part of what uh, drives connection, what drives relationship. Uh, And so what we want to do is we want to create an atmosphere that uh, allows connections to happen, um, not forced connections because forced connections are awkward. Yeah. Uh, But legitimately organic relationships taking place and we can begin to provide those opportunities for people to experience that connection. And we utilize that through our communications of letting our neighbors know who we are, um, giving um, and really resourcing our people at the church with the tools to invite people into those kind of relationships. Um, It's easier to invite somebody to an event necessarily, like a Christmas Eve service um, coming up. Um, And it's easier to invite them to that than it is to, hey, would you just come to church with me? In general. In general. Um, And so those one-off type of things, equipping each other with that. And so we do that through communications, and then we do that with our follow-up of uh, once you attend come and you experience it, we want to get you as connected as you want to be. Um, We don't want to force you into a relationship that's uncomfortable for you, but at the same time, we want to encourage you to uh, lean in to develop more, Uh, not just be stuck and settle for what is. Let's go into what could be or should be. um, Totally. In that. Yeah. um, I take significant pride in the fact that we have a connections director, and here's why. 
because what we're saying is that people and relationships are so important to us that we have a full-time position that's trying to keep their eyes on it. Right. Right. And as you said, you, you can't force it, but you can create opportunity. Yeah. You can create a setting or an atmosphere where someone can, oh man, I got a chance to be here and I notice they're here and we have something in common and we'd love to connect. So, and I know that your heart is very much um, in tune with the idea of organized organic, right? Yeah. I mean, we got to put some structures there, but then you allow things to happen or not happen. So right. anyway, um, I, I should ask this question. So you really took over Pastor Brian's old role, right? And so the yeah. big question is, are you going to do it better than he did it? Absolutely. I, I think he said, I think he set the bar pretty low. <laughs> so I think that's fantastic. And when he's but, out of town, uh, we can set that bar lower and lower. Isn't um, that true? Isn't, isn't it wonderful? that true? Yes. Yeah. And I will always <laughs> refer to things like that when Pastor Brian's not on the show. Okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. So I'm going to lead into another question here before we yeah. get into kind of a bunch of the different topics where we'll jump around. But um, so your wife, Johanna, and your two little ones, tell me their names again. Dahlia, who is five and Declan, who is three. Awesome. So you guys moved here recently from Nevada. Yeah. And so you have a very, very fresh understanding of what it looks like to be in a new area, even during the holidays, right? Right. You don't have all the normal friendships, all the normal community that you had. So how has that process been, and how do the holidays look through that lens? It's really interesting. Uh, For us, my wife is from this area, and so when we came back, we thought— Oh, we know people. We lived here before. I went to William Jessup, graduated from William Jessup. Um, right. Right down the street. So we're like, okay, we have relationships. This should we be can, easy. This should be easy, as easy as a transition is going to go. Yeah. Uh, what we quickly found out is that as we got older and we had children, life changes. Right. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I know. It's not on the brochure. No, and it's I'm going to write a letter to somebody who's in charge of that. But yeah, uh, yeah life drastically changes and people's busyness changes. And so when we moved here from Nevada, one of the things that we miss about Nevada yeah. is that everybody there is a transplant from somewhere else. Yes. Nobody's really from there. Right. Um, there are a few people, but really everybody's from somewhere else and there's nothing to do. So um, yeah. all you have is really time to hang out with each other. So even the outdoor recreation activities, um, people are going hiking together. They're doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm indoorsy. So I'm not a <laughs> so hiker. I'm not hiking. I'm not hiking often. Um, so, so we're, so relationships are really easy to build because there is a culture of relationship built into uh, the needs of that community. Moving back here, we, it was really quick that we understood people are so busy and overcommitted yes. um, that building relationships are going to take a lot more time and a lot more intentionality than we anticipated. Yeah. And then we're going through our, our own grief of yep. we're stepping away from a family, um, a church family that we yes. knew and loved and knew us and loved us and loved our children and uh, stepping out of that uh, into something new um, is really difficult, especially when we begin to project on our kids. Like this is how traumatic right. this experience is for them. <laughs> right. um, but, um, and they're fine. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> That's what therapy's for. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. Uh, but, but for us, when we came to this area, we expected something that we weren't going to get. Yep. Um, and that's been really difficult for yeah. us. And this holiday season, it's, it's odd because I'm used to, we have 14 different Christmas parties that we have to go to and we have to be prepared for all these different things. And then 
my wife posts, hey, first Christmas party of the season was our staff Christmas party on Sunday night. Right. And then we left and it said, do we have another Christmas party? <laughs> first suggest there's a second. <laughs> right. And nope. Uh, nope. And so our lens is completely different. I mean, we've got some family stuff, but that's yeah. that's about, about it um, for us. And so... The belonging part yeah. is is super difficult during the holidays. Yes. Because what we're used to is these constant over scheduled, too many parties, too many gifts to buy, too many this, too many that. Right. And this year we're kind of like all right, we're done. It's December 4th. Um, so um, right. now what? Now uh, what? Yeah. No, that's that's so true. Uh, so now I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the blessing of your pain, right? Because <laughs> your pain is my gain. But but here's the thing: I love that a connections director can feel what people are feeling um, because it'll make you do your job better. Um, when you come in and everything's set up for you, and ever, all community is there, and you got a million things to do and everything else, it's going to be very hard for you not to assume everybody else has that, right? And so when you're designing things for our church and you're talking about, hey, we're going to have an event, you're looking through the lens of, man, we're actually going to an event saying, I sure hope I meet someone here. Yeah, you every know? time. But but when, like, for example, I've been here for 21 years. So uh, as I'm coming in, I'm like, okay, who's going to greet me that's going to have a challenge? Like, You know what I mean? Like, it's a right. very different perspective right. as opposed to that longing of, please tell me I have somewhere to belong. Please tell me that someone wants me to be there with them and that maybe it will go a little bit further where we can have continued relationship. And so for you to have that beautiful lens, and that's going to be very rapidly going away, in my opinion, because as hard as it is right now, I still believe um, that you do have a lot more options than other people do. Right. You do have some baked in community. Right. You have some consistency of seeing people at the church. Right. And... I do think that you're going to lock in. I think it's going to be a little more difficult for Johanna, right? Yes. But but as you lock in, it keeps feeling familiar to you, and you're going to go, oh, I think everyone knew what the church feels that way. They really don't. Right. Yeah, we were attending the church for about four months before I even put in an application or resume. So awesome. Uh, and so for us, what we noticed is that when we first came— we loved the service. We loved the teaching. We loved the worship. We loved the creative elements. We loved a whole lot of things about what Bridgeway does on a weekend. Um, and we loved the authenticity of every right. person that we met. And so there were some really great things. Yes. Uh, but um, we kept coming back almost out of stubbornness. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't know anybody better after four months of attending a weekend. Um than we did before we even showed up the first time. And that is heartbreaking to me and very realistic. Yeah. And, but part of that is, is on us. Part sure. of that is we didn't engage into a missional community right away. We didn't try to right. find all those pieces, but we were going through a major amount of grief. Um, yes. Uh, we loved the church that we were at. Yeah. Praise and the Lord. God called us out. For right. whatever reason, yes. um, and there's lots of things that we see now, but in that moment, is it was out of pure obedience, not out of defiance or anger, um, that we really left. Mm. Um, now, there's a lot of good things that we see from that, and God's done a whole lot of healing in us, and um, there's been a lot. But I look at that 
through everybody who walks through our doors is that they're carrying right. a personal experience and a life experience that we can't plan for. No. Um, and so when we have a connection system that's built on the extrovert being able to just tell people and, you know, I'm going to be your friend now. I need friends. And, Hello. And now you are them. You know, it's, yeah, it's when we have that kind of a system built up, yeah, we'll get some, but we don't know the pain that's going on um, right. for people when they walk in the first time. And some people don't have much pain. They're just excited to be there and they want other people to be excited too. So there's that weird balance that we can't treat everybody like they've right. been abused. And then we can't treat everybody like, you know, they're brand new and everything's awesome. You know, yes. we got to find that kind of middle ground and that unique touch on every person that walks through those doors. Your perspective is, is excellent. And that was one of the reasons why um, we were so excited about bringing you on board because you think through things in a very, very healthy lens and um, you have a lot of insight. So I'm, I'm super stoked to have you. Um, I've, I've said on this program and probably any program I've ever been on, the number one challenge I've, I've faced as a pastor um, since I started teaching at 16 is busyness. It's the number yeah. one thing that I've had to battle. And I don't think that's true in all of the nation. It is absolutely true on the coasts. Predominantly, it is very much of a big deal in our area. Yes. And um, I cannot overemphasize what a block, an obstacle that is um, in my own life and in the lives of the people that I lead. So it, it's a huge, huge deal. Um, okay, so let's go a little bit theoretical on this for a second. Okay. And that is, why is it that we need community and to belong so badly? Like what, what is it that like, why can't we just be independent? And I feel like some introverts are like, well, I'd like to, that would be awesome. I could just hide and I never have to meet anybody. (laughs) But if we do that, even if we lean into that part of our personality, something goes wrong. So have you thought a lot about that, about the idea of belonging and community? And yeah, I have, Uh, you know, the thing that I think really drives that is God created us for community from the very beginning. Um, when he created Adam, Adam, you know, he says, this is very good. And then quickly said, okay, we need to give him somebody else. Uh, yeah. He he needs a partner. He needs an equal. He needs somebody it's that- It's not good for man it's to not, be alone. Exactly. Right. And so for whatever reason, God has chosen that. Now having kids, the joy that I have watching my kids play with one another right. um, and invest in relationship with one another is- um, immeasurable and ununderstandable when, you know, before I had kids. Yes. Uh, There's just such a joy to see my children gathering. And I think that's part of the father's heart is God as our father wants his kids to get along and to connect and to serve and fulfill each other's needs that he's created us to have. Um, And I think part of that is um, when we, when we need other people, we understand our need for God. Yeah. Um, when we need other people to fulfill a certain need, we understand, okay, God has designed me to need him. God has designed me to be dependent upon him and right. not dependent upon myself. That yes. there's no such thing as Christianity without community. Yeah. Um, and so we have to figure out a way to, to fill that need. And I think part of that is just um, we need each other to just say it's going to be okay. We can do this together. Sure. Um, Yeah, sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's support. You know, all of Christianity is designed around the idea of community. I don't want to belabor the point because I've probably preached on it and taught on it a lot. But 
spiritual gifts don't make any sense outside of community. Right. Uh, you can't have the helps gift if there's no one to help. You can't have the teaching gift if there's no one to teach. Right. And and so no matter what you do, they're all built for community. And so your life makes sense in community. And I think that um, one of the most heartbreaking things, just to go back to your analogy, one of the most heartbreaking things in the world is to hear about your kids coming back day after day from going to school and they have no friends. Oh, yeah. And you watch yeah. the shriveling of their spirit. And even the ones that want to be able to pick and choose when they hang out with people, right? right. Also known as introverts, um, is that they begin to get smaller. It's like their world becomes smaller. I don't right. think we do real good up in our heads a lot. No. I feel like we need someone else to give us perspective, someone yeah. else to be a sounding board. I think that the way that God worked it out is that he put some of my joy in your resource bin. You know what I'm saying? So I actually have to connect with you in order to get some of that joy that he has for me. He has a present for me, but you have it. And so if we're not going to hang out together, I'm missing out on something that the Lord has for me. And so I, I, I do think it's super, super important. Um, once again, transitioning a little bit, because we were talking a little bit about the holidays. You can't right. be recording a podcast in December <laughs> and not think that Christmas is right around the corners. Right. Uh, so... There's two ways to look at this, and we're going to look at them both. Uh, the first one is, why are the holidays so difficult for so many people? And then we're going to you know, obviously talk about why do holidays have the possibility right, of being the, the greatest time of the year. So, so give us a little bit of insight. You've worked with a lot of people and being yeah. in ministry. You've served in a lot of different roles in prior ministries and churches. Mm-hmm. Um, what is going on with the holidays? Why isn't it just easy for everyone? I think there's there's quite a bit that goes into it. There's the uh, family aspects, and some people have really healthy and wonderful family right, backgrounds, right. and so the holidays are invoking that memory. And then others have um, awful experiences yep. with family and isolation, either the lack of a relationship and the uh, holidays heighten that. Yes. And they it's a spotlight. It's an intensification. Yeah, it, it spots like the fact that you're alone. Yes. Um, or you feel alone or that you feel like nobody cares. Yeah. Um, when the truth lies somewhere else. Yeah. But we have to find the truth all, all the time. So, um, yeah, I think the holidays can be really difficult because, one, we have a, a cultural expectation and imagery. Right, right. The cultural imagery from Thanksgiving on is that you have these large family gatherings yep. and there's lots Everyone's of laughter together. and there's snow on the ground. And then you realize you live in Sacramento, so there's no snow and nobody's <laughs> laughing. No, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. your table's empty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's the episode. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was depressing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, but, uh, but there's that expectation that gets placed on us and that we begin to filter as well. All the movies that you watch, my wife right. loves the Hallmark Christmas movies. They're so terrible, but and she knows they're terrible. Um, so I, I can was say an extra this. in a Hallmark movie. Thank you very much. Wow, I was on on set. Yes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Move on. No, I actually really want to hear about no, that. No, we're not but, talking about that. Um, but the. Where was I? <laughs> Sorry. Your wife really loves that because oh, she, all the images in media, right, right? All the images. And it reminds her of the warmth of her family's yes. uh, Christmases. Whereas um, some other folks that I know, their families were such a mess yep. and so uh, right. unhealthy and so dysfunctional that the images of Christmas gave them anxiety and yes. panic. Yep. And they begin to reject as much of it as they can. And they just endure from Thanksgiving to New Year's. Yep. Um, they endured as 
long as they can. Yeah. Uh, research shows that um, suicides take a giant leap during yes. the holiday season yep. um, because that um, intensification of despair right. is huge. Um, and so there's there's a lot that goes on that's culturally driven. There's a lot that goes on that is just a spotlight into what's going on in our, in our own hearts. Right, um, right. That we're living this way all year, but yep. the holidays, for whatever reason, shines a light on the fact that we've been yeah. living a lonely, despaired life all year, and now it's just even more intensified and because we can't get away from it. You know, speaking from the, the side of anxiety and pieces like that, there are certain events that go on in the holidays that trigger those things. So, for example, crowds. Right now, all of a sudden, you go to the mall and it's slammed, right. whereas in the rest of the year, it's pretty mellow. And then all of a sudden, you have to go to... Um, you know, a, a holiday thing event for your family. And there's, there's a family member there that, that makes you anxious. Like, right. you know, they're going to pick on you. You know, they're going to mess with you. You know that something's bad's going to happen right. or it's the in-laws or it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so for a lot of people, it's, it's event after event of nervousness. Right. right? And, and that's right. just exhausting. I yeah. think for some of us now, uh, at, in the same way, you know, we're not here to try to bum everybody out, but we're just trying to call out what is real, right? Which right. This is a very real scenario for an awful lot of people. And when you can belong in a safe, healthy place, yes, that a lot of that is alleviated. Um, so let's talk for a moment and maybe for us, you know, I hear a little bit about your background and my background about Christmas time, but why do the holidays have this possibility of being the greatest time of the year? Like, what can we make them into? What can they be? If we're to dream of something super good, what is it? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think the the most positive thing that can come out of the holidays is an opportunity for all of us as believers, um, all of us as a Bridgeway family, to begin to look outside. Right. Uh, Because it's easy for us to look inward and to serve the people that we already know, to love the people that we already know. Um, It's much harder to open up our home and our time to people that we don't know. Right, Um, right. But the holidays are a great opportunity because you have a built-in common thread that's happening around us culturally. There's a cultural Christmas and there's like, you know, a Christian Christmas. And there's some overlap and there's some vastly different um, views on that. Right. But- Either way, the word Christmas evokes some sort of response from people. Yes. And this is an incredible time for us to invite people in to saying, you don't have to be alone because I'm here for you and I want to be here with you. Right. Um, And the Christmas season just provides us a whole lot of opportunities to redeem somebody's past, um, to redeem their past experiences and to be- to change that dialogue in their mind. Right. To change the dialogue, to say that not only- um, are you invited, but you're wanted, we're expecting you, and we we long to be with you. Yes. Uh, you belong here. Yes. Uh, I love that our Christmas theme this year is belong. Yeah. Uh, and it's, we can go into the, you know, the doctoral, the, theological reasons for that word. Um, but even from my point of view, just the idea that we are a community that creates belonging. Yeah. That is what we're supposed to be doing. One of the highest, most valuable pieces of the church is not so much um, 
the teaching or the worship experience. It's the community and connection that yeah. happens because everybody has access to podcasts now. I mean, right. you can get the world's greatest teachers at any point from any, right. any, anywhere. You yeah. can watch yeah. a live stream. You can watch, you, you can gain that information anywhere. You can gain a great worship experience by going to a concert, by going to all these different events if you really yes. wanted to. Right. But what you can't create um, is an opportunity to opportunity to be long to a family. Yeah. You can't a manufacture podcast it. can't give you that. It can't give you that. Right. It can be a doorway yep, and it's a absolutely. very valuable doorway. Yes. It uh, is. The teaching is enhances those relationships. Yes. It's important to those relationships. Yes. The worship is important for our vertical and yes. our horizontal relationships. That's right. Um, and so that's incredibly key and necessary. Um, but the thing that the church has to offer that the rest of the world can't touch yeah. is community. Yeah. An authentic, real community where it's not about what you can do for me or even what I can do for you. It's that we can be with. Yes. And that being While with God and that is being ministering longing. in our midst. Exactly. Um, you know, I, one of the practical things that I've always loved about the Christmas season, because I'm actually Mr. Bah Humbug in my family. I've, right. I've done this on a couple different podcasts, and my family still. They'll put a hat on me and tell me to sit down while they do all the decorating. So they give me two ornaments and then the angel on top of the tree. That's all I have to do. <laughs> You've so, got the height. So. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but there are a couple things that I love about it. Um, one is carved out time with friends and family. Yeah. And the other one is unselfishness of giving. I think hmm. those two things get highlighted in the holiday season. And I go, I'd love those elements because they're both community driven. Right. That you would say, um, you know what? I could buy you a gift at any time. At some point, it gets a little bit weird if I just give you <laughs> random gifts. Right. But all of a sudden, it's socially acceptable right. for me to give you. And I think that what you were highlighting earlier was that culture has given us some prep. Right. I mean, it's setting us up for some things that we can do that are very Jesus like. Right. And, and it's not going against culture. It's going with culture, which I think is super cool. Um, so let's just talk about just in general, we're talking about community and everything. Why is it so hard to make friends? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> that's a great question. I think part of me is um, I need to start with the confession that I'm actually an introvert. With extroverted tendencies. Bum, bum, bum. I know. And so this is weird. No. Uh, so, <laughs> so stop talking so to me. Talk, so I, I need a well, minute. I, yes, I'm you know. a natural extrovert that has become no an introvert. No oh. So yeah. actually, I'm an introvert now in practice. Right. Um, and so, uh, but the reason why relationships are so difficult is because they require a level of vulnerability that we as a culture do not value. Right. Um, you know, Brene Brown has a whole thing on vulnerability and how vulnerability um, really um, enhances relationships, enhances our own uh, development as people. Um, and I think there's something to that um, where there's a a piece of us that needs to be vulnerable yes. with one another to a place that we can invite somebody in to know, hey, I can just be me and I don't have to put up any kind of facade. I think the hard part about American culture, especially affluent white American culture, is the idea of I need to project my success um, so that everybody knows how successful I actually am. Right. So um, I cannot show weakness so, or that ruins the visual. Right. And so that that drive to be looked at as something more than we actually are in other yes. people's eyes breaks relationships and cuts us off from really so engaging true. on a really heart-to-heart -heart level. Uh, some of the most powerful times of ministry in my life as formational time of ministry is sitting with somebody on the back porch just talking. 
Yeah. And just sharing ideas, um, sharing thoughts, sharing struggles, uh, you know, and not because it's part of a formula, like, hey, share three struggles and now you're friends. It's, it's just the way we intertwine our lives. Um, we intertwine our lives and we connect our lives through that conversation. Um, and that vulnerability is key to those friendships. And I think for us um, as Christians in an American society that promotes success as being more important than relationship, we right. have to fight really hard to say, it doesn't matter what you think of me as far as my career goes. What matters is that you think of me whenever um, you have an opportunity yeah. that you're, you're thinking of me as, as, as often as I come to mind that you're actually pondering and praying for me and that I'm praying for you the same way. Right. Um, and, and really the only way to do that, um, nowadays is to get into smaller numbers. Right. Cause you know, when you have over 2000 people walking through the doors on any given weekend, um, you can't, you can't have 2000 vulnerable conversations by yourself. Right. It's it's just too much. There there's the the danger and I think this is what breaks the heart of God is that when there's a wounding or there's a loneliness and you put up a bunch of walls for defense mechanisms right. when you don't want to take that risk it leads to further loneliness, right? And you just continue to keep down that spiral. Right. of dying and saying, "Well, I don't want to go there. There's too much risk." And you go, "But the risk of not that um, I was talking with a, a lady the other day after service, and she was just saying, listen, I've gotten very bitter, and I've been hurt in the past, and I don't want to open up again, but I keep getting more bitter, like the longer I'm waiting. Right. And uh, the other thing that I think that makes it so difficult to belong in today's world, in our region, is because it takes time, and that's the one thing we don't have. Right. So um, I was I had a meeting yesterday um, with a couple, they're friends of mine, where there had been a schism. And mm. so I, it was a reconciliation, talking through some things, meeting. It was three hours and 42 minutes. And what happens is, is that's what it took. It took time to first, we had to get to the super tense, awkward place. And so we had to build up into super awkward. And then we had to start coming down from awkward. We had to start then talking through some things. Then once the problem, the key problem was resolved, we had to reestablish community. So we had to talk about fun things and different things. You can't rush that. Right. And the problem is, is that most of us, you don't have three hours and 42 minutes. I don't right. have three hours and 42 minutes to fix a bunch of things. So we just blow past it. And we're dysfunctional again. Right. And so you cannot do Christian stuff without time. Right. And Jesus did the the time thing. Um, yeah. Real quick, I just, I, I kind of want to jump around because we're going to get back into yeah. Jesus doing the belonging thing in right. a moment. But I really wanted to hit something that we had talked uh, off air about that you had a, a really brilliant insight on. Um, and that is the American church's focus on how they design church right. in terms of, will you build relationships like this, 
but it really only works with a segment of the population. Right. Can you talk about that? Yeah, churches are really designing their uh, connection ministry towards the extrovert, the person that uh, will go out and find the information, the person who will engage first, who will make that first contact, and then we'll follow up and then we'll do all that kind of stuff and engage them. But until somebody is willing to take that risk and go, there's really not a whole lot of process built in there for them. And so uh, really what we want to be able to do is say, we want to meet you at whatever your need is. And we also want to craft this idea that we don't have to all be extroverts in order to do ministry. Uh, Jesus, in my mind, when I read through the Gospels and I see the patterns, where he fuels himself, where he connects with God the most is through isolation. When he isolates himself, he gets rest and he pulls away from the crowd. That's when he begins to... you know, fuel himself and to find that energy to then go back out and engage with the community um, at the level that he needs to. Um, But when we do that as a church, what we're doing is we want everybody to be operating at that. uh, We're already connected. We're already super excited. We're already, you know, full extroversion going on. And we're we're just out there that the introverts are kind of being like, yeah, that's not me but what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm left out uh, on the cold again. Right. Um, let me just real quick define this introvert, extrovert yeah. thing. Because yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people know what it means, but usually in their minds, what they think is somebody is outgoing and somebody is shy. That's how they normally think of it. Actually, right. extrovert and introvert really is better defined by what fuels your tank. Right. How do you get recharged? So do you get recharged by hanging with people? Right. Or do you recharge by being alone? That That is a much better definition. So, for example, you may love people and you may be like, man, I had a great time at that party. But if you say I am depleted and I can't wait to get home and recharge, yeah. you're probably an introvert. If that is you me. finish yeah. that party and you're like, I cannot wait for the next party and you're literally looking for the next party or going, do we really have to go home? Right. And even though it's fun, like an introvert can still have fun and be outgoing in different things, but that, because you learn to operate on what you got to do, right? right? So all my life up until about four, four or five years ago, um, I, I got absolutely recharged by being around people. Yeah. I craved looking for people because that's where my energy rose. Yeah. Um, that is that is not the case practically anymore. So um, let's let's shift into that idea about how did Jesus experience belonging and utilize it in his ministry? You just said that it's so funny how you say Jesus is an introvert and, you know, I'm an extrovert, so I think right. Jesus being an extrovert. Right. And we always kind of import, you know, of and he's like, whatever. Jesus is like me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, we had the same facial hair, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, Unfortunate, yes. Uh, so how did Jesus experience belonging? Um, we're going to talk and kind of weave in another concept, which is um, how does belonging, how does our vertical relationship with God affect our horizontal relationships, right? right. Well, Jesus was really the perfect example of how to do belonging right. Okay. Yeah. So in a simple way, and then I'd like you to kind of dig down a little bit, but in a simple way, he brought together a crew, a small group right? Of these guys and invested his entire life into them. He interacted with crowds. He had the inner three. He was so good at dealing with community and connections and belonging. He invited them with this phrase. Now, I would suggest that the ancient Jewish culture is way better 
suited for community oh, right i absolutely. mean everything about it is yeah. better suited so absolutely we kind of he walked into that environment because rabbis would do this they would say come and follow me which is a belonging concept yeah. it's saying i'm opening my life to you come see how i live not let's have coffee at starbucks right let's meet once you know for an hour and a half we'll go meet at some place it was a, so everything about me is going to transfer to everything about you, and we're just going to kind of do life together. Right. That actually is the biblical concept of discipleship. Right. It doesn't work with American culture. So you have to figure out what needs to morph. How much do we need to be counterculture to our own culture in order right. to get to the real stuff? Or how much do we have to necessarily morph that to our environment, right? Because... Mm -hmm. Christianity can also accommodate and move. Like, for example, um, you know, Paul said it's better to be single. Well, the Bible also said it's better to be married. And so you go, which is it? And he goes, well, it depends on your circumstance, right? Like, if we're all being hauled out in the middle of the night and shot in the streets, the last thing I want to do is worry about a spouse. Right. So in this environment, we have to morph it, right? Okay, well, in the same way, we're going to do some morphing, right, of, mm -hmm. of that Christian idea of discipleship and community we find in the Bible. But, but practically speaking, Jesus did the, I'm with people a lot, mm -hmm. to the point of exhaustion. He'd fall asleep in the boat. He would do right. these things. So it was pushing him. But then he would also... Recharge, And this is what you were talking about, the times when it says before he selected the 12 apostles, he prayed all night long. The times when they're on the, they go out in the boat and right. he just hangs out back on the shore. Right. Um, he did the withdrawing thing. And I remember Henry Nouwen said, in order to be fully present with people, you must be away from people at times. Mm -hmm. And taking that kind of setup, tell us a little bit more about how you view Jesus doing belonging. He invites people into a relationship that is not based upon performance. Okay, that's powerful. Tell me about that. So he invites disciples into, his, into a relationship. He invites his 12, his inner three, um, in a way that has nothing to do with what they can offer him. Right. When you're the son of God and you have access to the father. Yep. And you're part of the the triune God who's <laughs> right. there from the very beginning. Yep. Uh, you have a perspective that you don't need a whole lot of us <laughs> uh, to do really anything. But he was also fully man. But he was fully man, and so he's also learning. Yep. He as had he friends. went, and he had friends, and he he probably learned from friends. And I know that yes. idea of Jesus learning is it's really uncomfortable. Super weird. It's really uncomfortable, but it's, it's real. also real because um, we see that progression. But Jesus invites them into this relationship, not because of what they can offer him. Right. And not solely because of what he can offer them. Right. Either. It's because he was drawing into a be like me because mm -hmm. he had eyes set on the future. Yes. His eyes were set on the time when he was going to go. Yeah. When he was going to ascend back into heaven and he's going to leave the church in the hands of the these 12 over a group of about 150 or so that were just sitting there waiting at the end yep. and he's going to empower them. Um, but he was imparting himself onto people because yes. uh, he wasn't inviting them into a relationship of learn from my words so that you can teach like me. Right. Um, learn from how I walk so you can walk like me. He wanted the whole person. Yeah. So when he gave an example of himself, um, he lived 
his example for them. Yeah, he said, uh, be like me. Be like me. So yeah. that means thinking the thoughts of Jesus, speaking yeah. the words of Jesus, approaching problems like Jesus. Yeah. And I think oftentimes in the church, we are taught to try to be mere imitators of one another. Um, and that's part, that's a really, that's a part, that's a part but that's a really immature view sure. of what all of discipleship is. Yes. And so it begins with imitation to where we're no longer imitating, we are becoming. Yes. And it's that process of sanctification to be more, to be made more and more like Jesus. Yeah, right. And I think uh, one of the things that we have lost in the American church is that we are so focused on imitating what's working for somebody else. Yes. That we forget that a lot of this is about inspiring each other to what should be. Yes. And we've lost that inspiration piece and we've um, kind of fors- well, forsaken well, I think, that. Well, I think that in duplicating and copying when you're not that person right. ends up ruining it because what you're trying to do is be inspired to become the full you that yes. Jesus built you to be. Right. So I don't need to become Josh, but I need Josh to be able to breathe into my life so that I'm becoming more Lance the way that I was built to be. And you're going to help catalyze that right. as opposed to me merely simply trying to be a duplicate of Josh. Right. Jesus gave us a Josh, right? And yeah. we don't need another one. No, you don't. Oh, dear no. Lord. Okay. <laughs> no, um, you don't. The other things that I just wanted to highlight out because we're going to talk about kind of building community and and putting yourself in a position to belong somewhere, right? So kind of making friends and right. things like that. We'll kind of transition there as we move forward towards the end portion of this this podcast. But our relationship with God gives us a fascinatingly powerful difference when we start trying to make friends. So for example, Mm. if you're filled up with a love from God, you're not craving. When you are craving somebody else's attention or love, you will be inappropriate. You will cross lines. You will give up too much of yourself. You will do things that are wrong. And so your belonging gets soured. And But when you have the love of the Father, and that's why all Christianity is designed to where he pours in first, then we pour out, yeah. right? So he loved us first so we can love. He's the one that gave us grace. We can then extend grace, right? It always has to go that route, right. not us trying to make something to get him to love us, right? We, we know that. Right. But the other thing is, is that the more and more we know our identity in Christ, the more we start locking into security, if you're insecure and you go into a group of to belong, you will do things inappropriately. Now, all human beings are dysfunctional, okay? I'm not saying that we got perfect people walking around. There's none of those. No. Um, I remember uh, when I was, one of the big things in community is trying to figure out, am I going to get married or not? When I was single... I ruined the entire experience because I put so much pressure on myself and is that person here? And and right. I was so dysfunctional right. in that environment, I couldn't have the richness of belonging mm. because I was, I kept ruining it, right? right? Like I was, I had an agenda, right? And right. when you come in with a crazy agenda, you're disrupting the belonging because in as opposed to being able to be free to be with other people, you're trying to promote something. Right. It's either self-promotion or you're trying, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and, I, and I think that our relationship with the Lord, when he gives us a stability, when you realize if I go to this party and I don't meet anybody, I have my Jesus and yeah. I'm okay. So it would be very nice if I met somebody, but I'm okay. And that stability that he's not moving as opposed to the, you know what, now I'm more depressed because I went to that party and nobody wanted to talk with me. Right. 
there is a certain degree where if we're going to truly belong, if we're going to enter into spaces to belong, we have to lean into our abiding with Christ so that we can do it right. Mm. Because I'll tell you, there are people that come up and I can smell it on them, the desperation. Right. They so de- and and then it just becomes clingy. It becomes weird. It becomes needy, and you're like that. Per- then you start backing up from that person, right? Because they so badly need a friend that they're coming on too strong, mm-hmm. and you go, "That's not. You don't understand. Why are people running away from me? Because you're scaring the living daylights <laughs> out of them. That's why." Oh. Um. So, talk to me a little bit about this whole idea of finding community, making friends. What are practical pieces we can do? You know, I think going right back into what you're saying about essentially knowing ourselves, knowing. Yeah, that's huge. That, that's, that, that is a huge part because the more we can be um, at ease with who we are, um, the more we stop projecting our needs onto other people and making them yeah. fulfill everything. Um, and so while that still seems like a really theoretical piece, it is a practical piece in the sense of reminding yourself when you're walking into any kind of new relationship, yes. they're not going to fulfill me. They can't. Um, they're, they're not going to be my everything. My everything. Cause they can't be, they can't. um, cause they would have to change the nature of who they are in order to do that. And then you've lost the value of them. People who, um, uh, kind of shape shift who yes. make themselves into whatever a situation needs morph to the morph into the environment have a wide berth of friends possibly or acquaintances and still a lot of loneliness and still a lot of loneliness um, because nobody really knows the real them because they don't know the real them so the more that we can be uh, self reflective yes. and to understand what our own needs are the better we can uh, understand, okay, when I take this step, when I go into this situation, what I am looking for is one conversation or two conversations yep. um, that I'm going to make myself a little bit vulnerable, yep. but not past where I'm comfortable. Right. Um, and so some people will, or past what other people are comfortable either, because <laughs> some people them. are like, Hey, this is me. Blah. It's like, wow, that's a whole ball of crazy. Yep. And I don't know I'm, what to do now. Yes. I'm soul cares over there. Yeah. Um, right. You know, totally. it's so, uh, we, we don't want to do that. I mean, I think there's some just practical, let's bottle up some of the crazy for later. Um, yeah. but there's the going into a new situation of number one saying, I'm going into this uncomfortable. Yes. And I, that's okay. It's, and that's no- okay. it's normal. Because I go into it uncomfortable personally yes. and I'm right, on right. staff. I mean, that's, yep. it's, Going into that uncomfortably is okay, but just name it and saying it out loud. Like, I am uncomfortable. Yes. Now you've named it, and so it no longer has to have power over you. Right, right. I want to have one conversation today. Yep. Great. I want to have two conversations today. Right. The next time I'm in a social uh, piece. For me, as an introvert, I try to find a location um, that I can sit down and then talk to a couple people that are in that location. That's smart. So not in a corner. Right. Away from everything yes. because that's where I would like to be um, yes, at times. But that pushes the other person to come too far uh, and, and to you. So we got to meet people halfway. Yeah. So sit down at a table with other people yes. and just um, and just talk. The 
some people just don't know what to talk about. Right. And so um, I've got something that I, I've uh, graciously stolen um, from Life Church that I think um, is really transformative to the way um, we go. It's really the acronym of, of FORM. You talk F-O-R-M. about F-O-R-M. F-O-R-M. Talk about family. Hey, you know, are you here with your family? Whatever. Right. It doesn't have to be super deep. Like, tell me about your dad, but it right. can be. Um, <laughs> there's starter questions. But there's starter questions of, you know, are you here with your family? Especially yeah. if you're at church. Do you come with your family? Is this the normal service you come to? Yeah. Church this large, that is this a normal service you yes. come to? Is such a focusing question. Yes. Because people say, no, this is my first time. Great. Now you can yep. focus in. Or, yeah, I'm, I always come to the nine o'clock. Oh, great. How cool is that? And now you can start saying, do you come with your family? Yeah. Um, what do you do for an occupation? That's also, it's the next level, slightly more personal, Yep. but it's not too, too much. And people yeah. can share as much as they want. And being ready to say, the goal is not to get all the way through this. It's <laughs> right. Does this question now lead me into the next one? Yes. Do I feel comfortable saying, okay, what do you do for a living? Great. What do you do for recreation? What people do for hobbies um, is really more revealing about their personality. Oh, for sure. And then it also invites you to uh, connect with them on a very yes. personal level. I, for one, am always freaked out by that question when somebody brand new asks me, what do I do for fun? Because in my head, I'm I'm hoping they don't judge my answer. Right. Well, so it's a vulnerability. Then, it's a right? vulnerability. But if we can lean in when somebody does ask you what you do for recreation, just be honest Yes. and say... You know what? I really like crocheting cats. Right. You know, and which that's, is unsettling. <laughs> which is really unsettling. But you know, but just being honest with what your hobbies really are and being um, available to just say, This is who I am. You know, and then when you get to the end of that conversation, if you've made a good connection with somebody yeah. through those three beginning yep. questions, then a method of contact. It's like, hey, right. can I get your phone number? Can we go for coffee sometime? Right. And it's not about getting to the method of contact. Right. Uh, for So like the extrovert will be, they're just asking these questions just to get to the method of contact right. so that they, they can grab this and they, you guys can now be best friends and right. whatever. They want to rush it. Yep. Uh, the introvert wanted you to stop at family. <laughs> totally. Uh, and, you know, and so, but it's trying to find it organically to say, hey, I believe there's enough of a connection here that I'm going to ask you, how can I follow up with you this week? Yeah. Whether that's through an email, that's through social media, whether that's through a phone number or whatever, it doesn't really matter what that method of contact is, sure. but it allows you to, um, to engage with somebody. And then it also says, I want to know you more. Right. And even at the beginning, you can come into a place and you can go, you know what? This is not appropriate for an M. Like right. you go F-O-R. And what happens is like, oh, I'll see you next time. Yeah. Right. And then you just leave it. And then you can say, I can follow up on my F-O-R-M. I only got through F-O. So right. I am foe, but I need to get yeah. to the form. Right. Um, and then quick clarification for our listeners. When you said crocheting cats, <laughs> is it is it crocheting for cats, with cats, or literally weaving their skins together? I didn't understand what you meant. I used the cat hairs as thread. Oh, okay, um, great. That's yarn. all I needed to know. So, I, you know, there's a big difference between your Christmas sweater and creative. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah, I'm trying to say. Your Christmas sweater will be awesome. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Um, so a couple things for people to know about making friends, and that is um, we got to live in the world between wearing a mask, yeah. because once again, wearing a mask when you're not you... You're very lonely. You can't feel love through a mask. Right. 
we need to live between that and the other side is just dumping and barfing on people. Right. I'm all me. Here I am. You know. Yeah. Um, so what I try to encourage people to do is say, I need you to present the best you. Mm. It's got to be you. No matter yeah. what we do, it has to be you. Because if ultimately they get together and you're like, aviation? I love aviation. They find out you have no idea what aviation means. Right. So don't lie, right? Because then you're <laughs> bonding on stuff that's totally not true. Right. So be you, but be the best you. Yes. Because there is time, like you said, let's save a little crazy for later, right? I mean, <laughs> there, there's certain levels of friendship. Uh, a couple other basic practical bits of advice. I was talking with somebody about this the other day. I'm going to give you dating advice right now. Dating advice goes along the same lines as finding new friends advice. And, and here's what I mean. Uh, for a lot of us, we have a hard time making friends because we enter into every environment. And we say, is my new best friend here? Right. And then you're always disappointed. You find out one element and go, well, we're not going to be best friends. Right. We're not going to be best friends. So you then go, ah, forget it. Right. And then you're disappointed. And so this is what information I give to people that are single. Right. Um, I said, all right, here's the deal, especially to ladies about this. I said, all right, instead of the disappointment of constantly going, oh, he's not the guy, he's not the guy. I said, stop asking that question. Is he the guy? Right. Here's the question I need you to ask. Does he know the guy? And I said, and here's why. Because now the pressure is off this person right in front of me. I can be friends with him because he may know the real guy. But all I'm worried about is friendship. I don't have to worry about if he's the guy, right. but does he know the guy? Well, then I still want to know him because he may know the guy. Right. Now, you may accidentally find out he is the guy along the way, but, but th we got to take the pressure out of it. In the same way, that thing goes in, are they my new best friend? No. Do they know my new best friend? Maybe mm. they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can find friends, but I need a network. I need a network of people that are good and healthy and right so that I can build up a healthy life and community. The other thing that I would say is that uh, Susie and I were talking about friendships and building new friendships and and just the pressure of, well, is this couple going to be our new friend? Is this going to be, you know. Right. We ended up having to change the dialogue. I said, hon, how about thinking about it this way? Are they life-giving people? Mm, that's let's great. Stop, let's stop with the whole, are they going to be our friends? Are they life-giving people? Let's just be around a bunch of life-giving people. Because inevitably, one of those life-giving people may well become our friends. Right. But I can't handle the pressure of them being the right person. Because the minute that they go, oh, our kids aren't the same age, right? And you know that's a block. Right. That you go, oh, well, you got little ones and we got teenagers. Well, that doesn't really work out. Okay. But are you life-giving? You know what I mean? Okay. Well, then let's just spend some time looking for life-giving people and let's see what the Lord does. Right. Yeah. So these are just some some practical things. And then I think yeah. there's also the the key of knowing your limits. So I I don't need to compare myself to somebody else for really any any reason. Nope. And then that comparison in the thief of joy um, is really true. And when we say, well, I don't have a lot of friends. Okay, but do you have friends that you need? You know, do you have the friends that you yep. need? Because my personality, I, I am not going to develop. 30, 40, 50 deep relationships. That's I'm just not, not how God built you. It's not how he built me, but I will for four or five people yes. and we will be lifelong, right. deep hearted friends. I will, I will drop everything I'm doing in order to be there for you, no matter what right. that is. Um, I will drive hundreds of miles if I need to just yep. to be with you. If I, if that's what the need is. Yes. Um, 
And so I will do that for a small amount of people because that's how yep. God has built me. Because I want to know them and I want them to know me right. in an authentic way. Yes. Um, and so, but just knowing that about yourself. So stop comparing ourselves to, well, they've got like 20 friends. They're always busy. I, some of the busiest people I know are some of the loneliest people I know. Absolutely. And so just because you're busy doesn't mean you've got it together. No. Amen. So true. Hey, as we kind of uh, wrap this episode up, can we talk a little bit about, um, as Christians, we talk about being communities on mission, right? Yeah. Especially here at Bridgeway. Right. And as we are doing that, there is a power to including someone and letting them belong in your life, in your family tradition. Now, mm-hmm. what would it mean to you to have someone embrace you and bring you into their, but even more so, you actually come off a very community-rich environment, so your tank is pretty full. There's yeah. some folks that are coming in, and they don't have your Nevada experience. They don't have richness that they were drawing from. Right. You're 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 running on reserves right now, but your reserves were pretty significant. So right. you have a little bit more to go without hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. There are some people that are coming in on empty, right. right? And so there's a power as a Christian that a Christian testimony of allowing someone, creating space for someone to belong and including them, especially during the Christmas holiday. So any final thoughts on that before we wrap this episode? I think just inviting people into something you you are already doing is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, what the mistake that we make, and I make this all the time, my wife and I do this as a couple of, we try to craft an experience that somebody else will want to be a part right. of, as opposed <laughs> to, as opposed to just we're just going to do us and invite you to come along. Yeah. Um, and if we can do that as as a church body, saying, look, you don't have to change a single plan, just invite one more person. Right. Um, just be on the lookout. Don't change your world. If you're going to go look at Christmas lights one night, call somebody. So, well, I don't know if they like looking at lights. Oftentimes, just because you asked speaks yep. volumes. Um, and, and many times they don't care about the lights. They care about you. Right. We're, we're having dinner with a, a couple that's a new couple at the church. We're, we're both new to the area, new to the church, and we're having dinner with them on Thursday night because we were sitting down in the cafe area and we just said, we're having a hard time building relationships. That, yep, us too. When are we having dinner? You know, <laughs> I love that. Um, That's and, so cool. And and so we're organizing that. Then he sends me a text. Hey, we're going to go look at lights. You guys want to come? It's like, yes. Yes, we do. And it's not because I actually care about looking at Christmas nope. lights as much as it is I want to do life alongside them as they're doing life. Yeah, that's uh, so good. And we don't have to change our plans in order to invite people in. We just have to open ourselves up to inviting people to being a part of what we are already doing. Yeah, I think that for many of us, we're saying, I don't have more space for more people. And you go, you might be looking at it wrong. Right. How about you just use your normal space? And that they happen to be around. Um, well, man. Okay, so as we wrap up, I want to encourage all of our listeners and viewers to keep other people in mind as we enter this holiday season. Uh, whenever possible, create spaces for other people to belong with you and your family. We need each other, especially in precious times like Christmas. Uh, I would like to thank Mr. Joshua Oot for joining us today, as well as thank our audio engineer, Lucian Hughes, and our video director, Montana Maurer. And thank you to you, our audience, for joining us in this dialogue. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening.
Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton. That's fun. I'm teaching on marriage later. <laughs>